Hey, you guys glad to be here? Uh, I believe God has something to say to us today. And uh, we're in week two of a series called Continue. And uh, hey, who was at first Wednesday? Didn't Kevin do a great job? And he continued the series. And I love it. I love it. And Kevin's stories are my favorite. I just, man, it's, it's so funny. And I love Uncle Kev. And, uh, and last week we kicked off chapter one. And I hope you guys did your homework and read through uh, chapter one with us. And um, I know some of you guys might be planners, and you're like, man, this is a five-week series. I'd really like to know, you know, kind of what the layout is going to be. And so I thought I would just go ahead and kind of give you guys a, a, a play-by-play of what the next few weeks are going to look like. Uh, today we're going to look at chapter two. Uh, next week we'll look at chapter three. The week after that we'll probably look at chapter four. And we'll probably end with chapter five. There you go. We have the play-by-play for the next few weeks. So those of you that are planners, you are set. You're good to go. It's going to be awesome. And Last week, we looked at this, at this book of the Bible, 1 Peter, and it's an amazing letter, and I believe that as we look into the Word of God that we need context. I believe that context leads to compassion. You know, it's funny, people say, people don't care that your dog died, they care that their dog died. And oftentimes, when we're in traffic and somebody cuts you off, You'd like to give them a little, uh, the Bible says laying on of hands, you know, suddenly. And, and you'd like to give them a sign language. And, 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 but, but if we knew the context of what they were going through, maybe it was a little bit more important. Maybe somebody got hurt and they're in a, in a hurry. Maybe somebody's not doing good and they're doing everything that they can. The context leads to compassion. And, and if we look at the scripture, we need context. Context clears up the picture of what God is trying to say. How many know that what God was saying to them then is what the Spirit of God is trying to say to us now? That this isn't a book of what has happened, but this is a book of what is happening. The Bible isn't a book of what God has said. The Bible is a book of what God is saying right now to us. We look at the book of 1 Peter, and right off the bat, we get context. We get the author and who he was writing to and, and what the purpose was that he was writing to. And the author is Peter. And, you know, what's funny is there's a lot of debate right now. That, that is Peter actually the one who wrote it, or, or was it somebody else? And one of the main arguments for, for Peter not being the one who wrote this book was because it is too good for a fisherman to write. That it's too poetic. That it is, it has, it is, it's too, it's too perfect. It's too good for a simple fisherman to have written something like this. And it reminds me in the story of Acts when Peter and I believe it's John are in the city and they're preaching and they get arrested and they get taken before the authorities and the rulers of their day. And, and Peter and James or John or whoever it was begin to, begin to talk and, and they sit there and say, there's no way. These are uneducated men. These are untrained men, but they speak with boldness. They speak with power. They must have been with Jesus. So here's what I'm here today to tell you that if God can use Peter, you might be untrained, you might be uneducated, but God can use you. Hey, come on, today, let's not, let's not sit in a library today. Today, let's have church. Today, let's let the Holy Spirit lead us and guide us. So if you hear something, man, vocal, be vocal about that. This is better than a football game. This is better than the World Series. We're talking about Jesus, the Savior of our souls. So let's have some church today. You know, don't take your nap later. Let's have church. You're here. And Peter is the author and we find who he is writing to. He's writing to the church. And the, 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 it was one church, but it was multiple locations. And, 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 the, and the church, the setting is in the ancient Roman Empire. And, and that's important to know because we, it's good to know what they were going through. And he's writing to the church, and the church is going through immense pressure because they're in the middle of, of the ancient Roman Empire, which during that time, it, it was a superpower. Had the, had the world's largest uh, uh, army and military. It was a, a mecca for culture. People from all over the world would come to the ancient Roman Empire to live and to be. And, and, and all at the same time, it was self-imploding from the inside out. It could be a really good case study for America today. And, and it's self-imploding from the inside out. And in the center of it all is a small group of people called Christians. But they, they weren't called Christians at that time. They were called the way. 
It's a group of people who are trying to live life the way that Jesus said to live life. And all these pressures, all these different ideas and ideologies and, and, and cultures and, and all these different people trying to sway them to, hey, do life this way. No, 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 let's do life this way. And, and these people are in the middle and they're, they're feeling the pressure from on all sides. And one commentary says that Peter wrote this letter to the church because they were on the verge of persecution and they didn't even know it. And Peter's writing to them, writing to the church, and he says, don't give up, don't quit. I know it's hard, but I, I have an eyewitness account. I've walked with Jesus. He writes to them to say that you can continue, that there is real life in Jesus. There is hope in Jesus. There is healing in Jesus. That if you keep going, I know it might be hard, but if you can just continue, that there is a hope that is living, that is on the other side for you. There's an inheritance that has been given to you because Jesus died on the cross. He defeated death, hell, and the grave, and he rose again on the third day. There is hope. He says, continue. Continue. I feel like today, it's a fitting message. Continue. But, but, but what about, no, 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 no. Continue. God has plans for your life. God knows the future. That he declared the end at the beginning. He knows where we're headed. He has already been to 2021. He knows what's coming. And guess what? He is still in control. He's still on the throne, and he is not concerned. Peter writes, and he says, hey, I know it's getting dark out there, but if you're a believer in Christ, you know, it's always darkest before dawn, and dawn is coming for those that believe. Jesus is coming back. And so we get into chapter one, and he reminds us to, man, focus on the hope. That you have a hope, and you should focus on that, and Although there's pains in this world and there's trials and there's, there's testings that, like precious metal, that the testing purifies us. That the testing, if we allow God to refine us, then he can define our future. He can define the calling and the mission of our life. Peter writes in chapter 1 to focus on the hope and put some purpose on it. Put some purpose on your pain. And that leads us into chapter 2. If you have your Bible, I would encourage you to open to chapter 2 and get your phone on. And hey, while you're on your phone, might as well share the stream. Let somebody know that you're watching and invite them to church with you. And uh, Chapter 2 it begins, and, and, and I hope that you're reading with us. You know, we're going to say it every single week, but you need to be in your word every single day. That this is your hope. That this is your source. That you ought to be in your word every single day. And we love to start with the Proverbs of the day. If you don't know where to start, start in Proverbs. Today is the eighth day of the month, so you should read Proverbs 8 today. And tomorrow you should read Proverbs 9. And start there. And If you're ready to take the next step, if you're ready to continue, then read Peter with us. Read 1 Peter. And this week read 1 Peter chapter 2 with us and, and go over. And today when you go home, pray and ask the Holy Spirit to show you how to apply what you've heard today. Ask him to lead you and to guide you into all truth. That's the promise that God gives us, that the Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us into all truth. He is our encourager. So read with us and go with us. And you know, I think now would be a great time for all of us to hold our Bibles up. And we're going to say this because we believe it, because we believe that this word is for us. So if you have your Bible, hold it up in the air and just repeat after me. Say, this is my Bible. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I have an open heart. I have a teachable mind. I'm ready to receive the word. I'll never be the same. Say never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to start in chapter 2. We're going to look at verse 4. Chapter 2, verse 4. I believe that the message today isn't just a message that I need to preach to you. I believe that this is a message that you need to preach to you. You know, how many know that if you're in Christ, you are in full-time ministry? That if you are a believer, you're in full-time ministry, and you might not show up on Sundays and stand on a, on a stage and talking to a microphone, but if you're a believer, you're in full-time ministry. How many know that how you treat your kids in the supermarket, you're preaching a message to the world? 
that how you talk about your spouse to your coworkers, you're preaching a message to the world. How many know that how you live your life on the weeks, you're preaching a message to the world? I believe it was St. Francis who said, preach the gospel at all times. And when necessary, use words. That every day of your life, you are preaching a message to the world. And we can't allow the enemy to continue to lie to us and say, no one's listening, no one's watching, you're not qualified, you're not ready, because you are. And we'll find out in today's text that God says, you are a holy nation. You are a chosen people, that God loves you, and you are in full-time ministry. But how many know that often it's easier to preach to other people than it is to preach to yourself? Well, why? Because we know. (laughs) We know who we are. We know the mess that we've made. We know the decisions that we've made. And it's easier to preach to somebody else and turn around and say, okay, listen, Stephen, you are more than a conqueror. Hey, listen, Stephen, by God's grace, you are saved, and it's not by works. You don't have to work for it, but it's by his grace that you are made righteous. Okay, you can do this. It's easier to preach to other people than it is to preach to yourself. And that's why I think it's so important that the, the word that I have for you today, that you learn this, is a simple message. It's a simple three-point message that you need to learn to preach to yourself. And point number one, you need to take notes. Point number one, you are being built. Everybody say, I am being built. First Peter 2 verse 4 says, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built. Everybody say, being built. That's a great place to mark in your Bible, underline it. Hey, I believe that uh, the people who have the most marked up Bibles will have the, have the least marked up life. How about that? Mark up in your Bible and it says, he says, like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be holy, a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. He says, as you come, as you come, who's he talking about? As you come to who? As you come to Jesus. I believe that the whole gospel could be summed up in that one word, come. Jesus in Matthew 11 says, come to me. All who are weary and burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus says, come to me, anyone and everyone. If you're burdened, if you're tired, if you're in labor, come to me. And that's what Peter is inviting us. He's inviting us to come to Jesus today. Listen, we ought to be going to Jesus continually. Who needs a little rest in 2020 so far? Come on, can I get an amen? Who needs a vacation this year? Jesus is saying, come to me. And listen, Jesus is inviting us into a relationship. He's not inviting us into religion. Religion likes to take what Jesus said and twist it. Religion would say, hey, if you clean up your mess, then you can come to me. But that's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, come to me, anyone and everyone, and I will clean up the mess. Jesus is inviting you into relationship, not religion. He says, as you come to him. Listen, we ought to be going to God continually, over and over. Going to Jesus is not a one-time thing. Going to Jesus is daily dependence. It's not a one and done, it's going to Jesus every single day. See, most people can tell you about the day they met Jesus, but not many people can talk to you about the walk with Jesus. Listen, we ought to be going to Jesus on a continual basis. It's not just about a salvation moment, but it's about a sanctification process. Listen, sanctification, the the easiest and most simple way to put it is allowing Jesus to take us where he is going. Allowing Jesus to take us where he is going. The question is, are you following him? Are you following Jesus? Or are you asking Jesus to follow you? I think a lot of times it's easy as believers to say, okay, Jesus, this is where we're going, and I'd like you to come along with me. 
hey, come on, let's go over here. And then we get here, and we go, what, what the heck, Jesus? Where, where are you at? Listen, I thought your, your word promised provision. Where are you at? And Jesus is saying, hey, I didn't lead you over there. I, I didn't say we were going that way. The question is, are you following Jesus, or is Jesus following you? See, if we ask Jesus to follow us, what happens is it leads to us becoming more like the world and being disappointed. But when we allow ourselves to follow Jesus, it results in the sanctification process of us becoming more like him. We are to become more like Jesus every single day. And too many people are shocked when the world doesn't like them. <laughs> I'm not popular. I don't feel accepted. I, I don't feel like I fit in. Well, if we're following Jesus, should we not expect to get what Jesus got? And that might be hard for some, but that's the gospel, that we are to be following Jesus. He says, as you come to me, it's so simple, but yet it's so profound. I believe that the key to continuing is going to Jesus every single day. The key to you continuing in this life, the key to you continuing in this season is daily dependence on him. As you come to me, as you come to him. So he says, as you come to him, he's a, a living stone. He's, he's rejected by men, but in the sight of God, he's chosen and precious. And you yourselves are like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. So, so as you come, all are welcome. Anyone can come. And, and like him, who is a living stone, talking about Jesus, is a living stone. You yourselves are like living stones. And we are being built into a spiritual house. Here's what he's talking. It's a picture of the church. That we are the church. How many know that this building is not the church? How many know that this, these four walls do not make up the church, but we as a people make up the church? God never invested in buildings. He invested in people. We are the church, and we are being built into a spiritual house. And this, isn't, this isn't just a, a biblical mandate. It's mission critical. That God is telling you, you are being, you are like a living stone, and we are to be built on Jesus, who is the cornerstone. The church isn't the last hope for the world. The church is the only hope for the world. The church, you and I, are the only hope for society. You and I are the only hope. It's how God speaks to his people. It's how God moves through his people is you and I, the church. We're being built into a spiritual house. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built. Being built. It's not been built. Being built. You're being built. Been is completed. Being is a process. You're being built. You're in the process of being built. How many know that that's good news? That means God is still working on me. That God is still in the process. That when I look at my life and I'm not where I'm supposed to be, I should be farther. I, this shouldn't be the way it is. It's okay because I'm being built. Well, there's a mess around my life. I know, it's okay. You're being built. He's not done with you. He's still on the move and working in your life. You are being built. We're being built into a spiritual house. It reminds me, uh, when we were, we were doing uh, construction on this building, getting it ready uh, to, to turn into a church. It was a, um, a solar engine company before it was a church, and, and, uh, then, and then we bought it and turned it into a church. And for a while, our, our sanctuary was over in the kids' connection room. Uh, all of this was taped off and under construction. We would be in the, in the kids' connection room, and, and on, on Saturdays, we would all show up early, and we would set everything up, and then we'd have church on Saturday night, and then we'd have church on Sunday, and then Sunday after church, we would tear everything down because the building crew was going to be coming in Monday morning early. They don't start at a normal time. They all have to start super early, so it was like we had to do it today. We'd tear up, and we'd tear down, and then we'd have youth on Wednesdays, so Wednesdays, we'd have to tear, put everything up, and then we'd have to tear everything down, and it was this process, and in the process of all that, I would, I would often get on a lift, and you know, a lift is, is a thing that goes up and down really high, and it's pretty cool. It's fun. You feel like you're in control when you're in the lift, and, and uh, until they tell you to go change one of the light poles out, out back, those, those, 
then it starts to move and you don't feel like you're in control anymore. Uh, and, but I was on the lift and, and I was, I was, I, we, you had to put stuff up and take stuff down. And, and I remember one day I, I was moving that lift and I hit one of the, this is like a semi-wall that what, it, what makes up the, the, the uh, check-in station right now. And I hit the, one of the semi-walls there, and I'm like, oh, no. Like, that's not good. And I back it up, and I look at it, and it's kind of bent. You know, it's kind of leaning. And I was like, you know, the last thing I want to do is go to the foreman and say, hey, so this is what happened. I hit it. And, and I'm sitting here looking like, hey, it's not that bad to the naked eye. You probably can't even tell. And all we got to do is reinforce it and put it. It'll, it'll be fine. They won't even care. It's not a big deal. And, so that next morning, he gets there early. I'm there waiting. I'm like, hey, so this is what happened, you know, and, and I, I really apologize, but it's not that big of a deal. No worries. All we got to do is, you know, push it straight and finish the build, and it should be fine. And he thanked me and said most people would have never said anything and that what would have happened is, is they would have been getting close to finish, and then they would have noticed it, and then they would have tear it all down and redo it. And I said, what do you mean tear it all down? Like, it's, it's not even that bad. He says, no, we have to tear this wall down. I said, okay, why? He says, well, because if we don't tear the wall down and we continue to build on it, that the foundation of this wall has been corrupted and there's a possibility that this wall could give out in the future and potentially hurt somebody. And I thought to myself, "Eh, that don't preach. How many know that there are some times that God wants to build something in your life, but first he must tear some walls down so that he can build something up stronger in its place? Come on, how many know that maybe the reason that job didn't work out was because God knew that it wasn't long-term. So he needed to remove you from that spot so he could put you into a place where you would thrive for your full potential. How many know that maybe the reason the relationship didn't work out was because he knew it would not last, that it had the potential to collapse and hurt more people than just you. So he had to remove that wall so that he could put you into something that's bigger, stronger, and better so that you could thrive. You are being built. You're being built. God is moving and working in our lives. Construction sites look messy, everybody. But that's okay. Because the architect has the blueprints. And he knows what the final outcome is going to look like. And how many know that we have the best architect in the universe? But he is the master Jesus. And I know it looks messy now, but he knows what the final outcome looks like. You're being built. You're being built. If the building looks better under under construction than the finished product, how many know something's wrong? (laughs) Your life will be messy. You're being built. But probably the best encouragement I could give you today is don't let the mess become permanent that we ought to be moving forward, that you ought to be better this time next year than you are today. Encourage you to don't let the anger become your identity. You can move past it. Don't let the addiction control your, 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 who you are, that we ought to be moving forward. It's a process. We are being built, but we can't stay where we are. God loves you enough to find you where you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay where you are. You're being built. You're being built into a spiritual house. As we come to him, listen, we need him more today than we did yesterday. As we come to him, God sees beyond the mess and he sees the masterpiece. Paul said, you are his workmanship. One version says, his masterpiece. God is working in your life. He is not done with you. We are not at the end. We are in the middle. We're in the process. We are being built. So point number one for your three-point message that you're going to learn so that you can preach it to yourself every day is I am being built. Point number two, on a firm foundation. I am being built on a firm foundation. Verse six says, for it stands in scripture, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, 
and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobeyed the word as they were predestined to. The big question that I could ask you today and probably every week is, what are you building your life on? What is the foundation of your life? Listen, it's one thing to be built, but we need to know what we are being built on. There's a building out behind us, I believe it's, uh, it's being built, it's DSHS, is that the, it's what it is, and, and, and for a while, I don't know about you, how many, it's kind of weird when you pull up and you're like, there is something there now, like one day there's nothing, now there's, it's huge, it's, it's going to be, I can't wait, it's going to be awesome, and, and for a while, uh, as they began construction, I began to wonder, like, okay, are they building something up, or are they tearing something down? Because you looked at it, and, and, and at first it's all flat, ready to be built. They, they, they smoothed it out. It's like, it looks great. But then the next day you show up, and there's mountains of dirt, and there's huge boulders. And, and it's like, what are you guys doing? Well, come to find out, they're digging out a foundation. How many know that the foundation is the most important part of the building? That the foundation is the most important part. And the higher you want to go, the deeper your foundation must be. The higher you want to go, the deeper your foundation must be. Without a solid foundation, the building will not be able to continue or endure. And the thing that will make sure that you last is what you are building your life on. What is your foundation? And Peter quotes Isaiah. He says, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and Precious. Cornerstone. Simplified. It means the foundation. And what he is saying is that Jesus is the foundation that we need to build our life on. That Jesus is the firm foundation. He's saying anything that's not built on Jesus will crumble. Listen, a marriage not built on Jesus will crumble. Come on. A family not built on Jesus will crumble. A business not built on Jesus will crumble. An economy not built on Jesus will crumble. A government not built on Jesus will crumble. A nation not built on Jesus will crumble. What is your foundation? Have you ever realized that a good foundation, nobody ever ever notices it? But a bad foundation, everybody sees it. Yeah. You know, we have these trees out here in our front, in our front parking lot. And it seems like every year, one goes missing. <laughs> it looks good, but the foundation is bad. And the wind comes and it blows it over. A bad foundation, everybody sees it. Buildings collapse. What are you building your life on? A good foundation is hidden. It's under the dirt. It's under the soil. You, you know, no one's ever invited me over to their home and said, hey, before we go inside the house, I'd like to come show you my foundation. <laughs> Nobody's ever said, man, I have a sexy foundation. You ought to come look at it. <laughs> but could I just preach the gospel to you for a second? That the biggest question you will ever have to answer is what is your foundation on? The biggest question you will ever have to answer is will you receive Jesus or will you reject Jesus? And that is what Peter is saying. He's saying to those who are, who are in Christ, listen, Jesus is our firm foundation. That if you receive him, he is everything. And you can, yes, you are being built, but in the process you have something to put your foot on. Jesus is your foundation. And he says, but to those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they, did, they disobeyed the word as they were predestined to. So to some, he's a foundation. To others, he's a, a, a stumbling block. Uh, one commentary says it this way, that those who reject Christ will find that he is embarrassingly in their way and will sooner than later cause them to trip or fall. Have you noticed that 
2020, Jesus has become kind of offensive. Nobody has a problem with God. (laughs) But the moment you bring Jesus into the solution of the issue or problem that they're facing, all of a sudden it's, hey, (laughs) he's so divisive. You know, he, 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 he's so exclusive. He, he's, so, he's so mean. No. It's just that Jesus has the truth and doesn't want you to settle for a lie. That anything not built on him will not make it. What is your foundation? What are you building your life on? Well, how do I do this? How do I build my life on Jesus, the firm foundation? Listen. You will never be able to build your life on Jesus if you're not willing to let him disagree with you. Let me ask you, when's the last time Jesus disagreed with you? Oh, never. (laughs) We never disagree. Weird. (laughs) Because I've found that my deepest relationships often have the biggest disagreements. What I found is that if you're in relationship with Jesus, you know, we we say the statement at the church a lot, what do you know that's keeping you from knowing what you need to know so that you can get to where you need to go? Where do I need to go? Sanctification process, wherever Jesus is taking you. Well, what do I know? (laughs) It's funny when people are like, I don't think I know anything that's keeping me from knowing what I need to know. (laughs) False. Everyone has things that we know that keep us from from getting the revelation of what God is trying to tell us. Well, well, this is just how I am. I know that this is who I am. And God's saying, no, that's not who you are. Well, this is just how I I just know this is how I'm always going to. No, you do not have to stay that way. Listen, you do not have to stay this way. And sometimes it makes me wonder if we just went to Jesus one time and now he's just an area of our life because if we're in relationship with Jesus, oftentimes we're like, you want me to do what? (laughs) You're calling me to what? You're asking me to do what? I, I don't like being kind to people who have hurt me, but that's the truth of Jesus. I don't like getting along with people who have offended me, but that's what Jesus is asking us to do. I don't like where the election went down. It doesn't matter. This is, this, I don't want to get political. I don't. But I do want to be scriptural. Because in verse 13 of this chapter, which you should read later this week, the message version says, make the master proud of you by being good citizens. Respect the authorities, whatever their level. They are God's emissaries for keeping order. It is God's will that by doing good you might cure the ignorance of the fools who think you're a danger to society. Exercise your freedom by serving God, not by breaking the rules. Treat everyone you meet with dignity. Love your spiritual family. Revere God and respect the government. Now, it's interesting that Peter is writing this. First of all, it's Peter. Second of all, the timing. Ancient Roman Empire. This is in the age of the emperor Nero. I don't know if you know anything about Nero, but let me just read you a couple facts. The Roman emperor Nero is considered one of history's greatest criminals. (laughs) Okay? His name has become synonymous with evil as historic accounts have accused him of killing his stepmother, his wife, his mother, and persecuting Christians. And Peter is writing to the church, honor the government. It's not a question of who your president is. It's a question, is Jesus your Lord? And if Jesus is your Lord, then we ought to become more like him. Then we ought to obey him. Then we ought to do what he is asking us to do. Why? Because we are following him. And the more I walk with him, the more the sanctification process happens, and the more I become like him. God forbid we try to just get Jesus on our side. No. We need to be on his side. It reminds me of the story of of Joshua. And he's getting ready to fight a big battle. And 
One night he looks out and there's a, there's an, and most, most commentaries and theology believe it was Jesus uh, standing in the middle of the field and Joshua goes up to him and says, whose side are you on? And Jesus looks at him and says, neither. It's not about Jesus getting on our side. It's about us getting on Jesus' side because Jesus' side is the only side that matters. It's the only side that comes out on top. It's the only side that has a foundation that won't crumble. It's the only side that gets you where he's trying to take you. Things don't go the way you want them to and, and plans don't work out and mistakes are made and I get it, we're not where we should be and it's getting difficult and things are hard but when obstacles come, it's an opportunity to be built in the image of Jesus. It's an opportunity to make, our, make sure our foundation is strong and secure so that God can continue to build and use you. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity. The higher we want to go, the deeper our foundation must be. The choice is yours. Either receive him or reject him. He is a firm foundation. We are being built we're being built on a firm foundation. His name is Jesus, and he loves you very, very much. I'm being built. I'm being built on a firm foundation. And point number three, to glorify God. I'm being built on a firm foundation to glorify God. I'm going to ask the band to come out and join me. First Peter 2, 9 through 10 says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. For once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. For once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy to glorify God. We are being built. We're being built on a firm foundation. We're being built on a firm foundation to glorify God. It's not enough that you're being built. It's not enough that you're being built on a firm foundation, but we need to know why. It's to glorify him that our life our sole purpose for being on this earth is to bring the father glory and you might not know but that is it that's why you're here so glorify God and we know the context of this letter we know that he's writing to this church, to these churches in the, in the middle of immense pressure, in the middle of trials and pain and heartache and hurt. So we know he, what he's not saying is glorify God in the good times only. He's not saying that we just glorify God when things are easy, when you get the job you want. When you find that special someone, when, when your candidate is elected, no, what he's saying is our role is to glorify God in the hard times it matters most. When it's not going our way is when we're to glorify him and it matters the most. And Peter writes, he says, to declare the praises of God. Listen, we're not waiting for a specific time. When everything is perfect and your life is squeaky clean, no, that, that's a specific time that's called heaven. When you get to heaven, when we're done, that's, that's the perfect time. But it's making a choice that right now, in this broken and hurting world, in the valley of the muck and the mire, that I will lift my hands and I will praise him because he is a good father. He has been good to us. He will get glory from my life. He will get glory from my life. The whole purpose is to glorify him. Stephen, is it, my purpose is to get married. No. Your purpose is that your marriage would glorify God. 
my, my purpose is to have kids. No, your purpose is to have kids and raise them to glorify God. Well, don't you want to build a great church? Yes, we want to build a great church to glorify God. Our whole purpose is to glorify God. That's why we're here. That's the invitation that Peter is giving. It's easy to look at your life and see the failures. You're so sure of the mess. You're so sure of, you know, I'm disqualified. I'm so sure that Peter is saying, no. Listen, to those who are in Christ, this is what God says about you. And you might not see it, but Peter's saying, I want you to know what God says about you. He says, don't give up. He says, don't quit. He says, keep going, because you are being built on a firm foundation to glorify God. You are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who calls you out of darkness into his wonderful light. I'm so thankful that God has called me out of darkness and put me in the light of his son. Who pulled us out of darkness and put us into his wonderful light. For once you were not a people, but now you are his people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Isn't that Peter's story, but now? Isn't that our story? Don't we all have a but now story where we met Jesus and everything changed and he said, but now I have made you new, but now the past doesn't define you, but now I have called you into something bigger and something greater? Come on, God knew who Peter was. God knew Peter had an issues, that he had a cussing problem, and he had a fighting problem, and he had, a, he had an issues. God knew that. But he also had the blueprints of Peter's life. He knew what Peter was being built for. Think about it. How much glory has Peter brought God? The 2,000 years later, that every one of us in this room and around the world can say, if God can use Peter, he can use me. Our purpose is to glorify God. You have a but now story. He says, for you are a chosen, one version says a, a chosen race. You're a chosen race. You might not like it. You might not know it. But we don't have time to keep walking in division. We don't have time to not get along with each other. There's a world that needs us. Peter is encouraging us to keep going. Don't lose heart. Stand firm. Because if there's people who are in God's kingdom, that means they are God's children. You might not know this, but there are Republicans who are God's people. There are Democrats who are God's people. There are black people who are God's people. There are white people who are God's people. And I have too many messes of my own to sit around and look upon other people and judge them. We have too many things in our own lives that we need to stop walking in division. Stop letting the division out there become the division in here. You might look around and say, I'm just so discouraged today. I, I just have too many weaknesses. I, I don't know. You might be messy, but now... God has chosen you. You might be messy, but now you are not a people, but now you are. You might be messy, but now you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are God's special possession. And you can declare his praises. 
So what am I saying? The mess doesn't disqualify you. The struggle doesn't stop you. The mistakes don't mark you. Disobedience is not your destiny. That this is a good sermon, no matter what season you are on. The next time you don't know if you can make it, the next time the struggle becomes too real, you can stop and say, hold on, I'm being built. I know it's a little messy, but I'm under process. I'm being built. And not only am I being built, but I'm being built on a firm foundation to glorify God. The next time the struggle, you don't know the terrain that you're walking on and you don't know if you're going to be able to make it tomorrow, you can stop and say, hold on, I'm being built on a firm foundation to glorify Him. Wherever you're at, whatever you're going through, if that's you, this message is for you which I think it's for all of us. <laughs> I think every single one of us have messes in our life. The ones that we hide from everybody, the ones that we think we keep under the carpet, the ones we think that God doesn't know about, but he does. It's for all of us. But Peter is saying, you're being built. Keep going. You can do it. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to pray for anybody who's struggling. I'd like to pray for anybody who's feeling the pressure. I don't have hope. I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know how much longer I can take it. I want to pray for you. Because I want to believe and stand on God's word because it's true for your life today. That you are chosen. You're holy. You're God's special possession. So if that's you, I'm just going to ask that you stand to your feet wherever you are. If this is you, if you're watching online, stand to your feet in your living room or, or if you're in your car, get out of the car and stand up because I believe it's, a, it's an action that we take. It's a, it's a step forward of response to say, God, I am here and this is who I am and I know you know it but this is the step I'm taking to get through it. That I'm not just gonna go through it, but I am going to grow through it. So God, I thank you for every single person who's standing. God, I thank you for the plans that you have for their life. They're of hope to give them a future, never to harm them. God, I thank you that you chose them to be here for such a time as this. God, I thank you that they're here on purpose, that it's not by accident, but you have a plan for them. God, I thank you that they would reject the lies of the enemy. They are chosen. They are your special possession. And God, I thank you that they are being built on a firm foundation to glorify you. I thank you that through the trial, they continue to praise you because you're due all the praises. In Jesus' name. Man, you can take your seat. If you're here today, I'm going to ask that everybody close their eyes and bow your heads. We're going to say a prayer. This is the moment that those of you in here either receive him or reject him. And the choice is yours. God says, I set before you a choice, life or death. He says, choose life. Please. Today you can make a decision to leave here with a new living hope. That because of the resurrection, you walk into an inheritance. It's unfading, undefiled. If that's you and you're here and you're ready to receive Jesus as your Lord. To leave here with that new hope. Eyes are closed and heads are bowed. If that's you. I'm not going to call you out. Just throw your hand up in the air right now, wherever you're at. We're just going to pray a prayer together. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That's you, thank you. Come on, just throw your hand up in the air, wherever you're at. We're going to pray this prayer together. Come on. You're watching online. Just say yes in the comments. Let us know. We're going to pray this prayer together. 
Family, this means that people have made the decision. They're part of the family today. So we're going to pray this together as a family of believers. If you're going to make that decision, we're all going to pray together. Just repeat after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your Son to die for me. Today, I make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. I receive him. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for for cleaning me up. Today I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. I'm being built on the firm foundation, which is Jesus, and I choose to glorify him through it all. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Come on, church, can we give a round of applause for every single person, come on, who just prayed that prayer? Isn't that a good news? Come on, he is good. If you just prayed that prayer, on your way out the doors, there's a connection card we'd love to put in your hand. If you're watching online, we just pinned a link in the comment section below. Please take a second and Click that link and follow that and fill out the connection card. And please take a second and grab it and fill it out. And here's why. Because it allows us to begin praying for you right now. That we're not waiting. Because we know that God has plans for you. We know that you're being built on a firm foundation to glorify him. But we also know that you're about to walk out into life. (laughs) And it's kind of scary out there. But we know that together we're better. So we want to pray for you right now and believe with you and stand with you and agree with you because God has amazing things in store for you. So please take a second and fill out that connection card. And Just like last week, we're reminded that this was a letter and that the church would have gotten this letter and they would have said, hey, we have a letter from Pastor Peter. We should read it. And they would have read this letter to the church before they began to worship God and we're going to go into worship right here and, and maybe you don't have words to sing or maybe you don't know we're going to put words up on the screens for you but this is the moment that we begin to praise him who brought us out of darkness into the marvelous light so I'm going to read this section of scripture and I'm going to ask that we all stand to our feet and that as we read this remember that there is hope for you that there is a purpose for you that you are being built on a firm foundation to glorify him he says as you come to him a living stone rejected by men but in the sight of God chosen and precious that you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ for it stands in scripture behold I am laying in Zion a stone a cornerstone chosen and precious and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame so the honor is for you who believe but for those who did not believe the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense and they stumble because they disobeyed the word as they were predestined to but you are a chosen race a royal priesthood a holy nation that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light for once you were not a people but now you are God's people for once you were not received mercy but now you have received mercy come on let's begin to sing our praises to him let's begin to lift our voice